talk about what you know what drives us. So maybe the bucket list would be now to bring it back to my hometown, but to have done it as a head coach. Welcome everyone to the Driving Vision Podcast brought to you by the Ziegler Auto Group. And here with me, Auto Group Director of Talent Development, Mike Van Ryan. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks, Sam. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, like it if you do, and leave a comment. Coming up on Thursday, September 14th, beginning 5.30 p.m. Eastern at the Radisson Plaza Hotel in Kalamazoo, Michigan, is the 41st Annual Drive for Life Foundation Gala. Do you have your ticket in hand yet? Don't miss your opportunity to join us that night and make a big difference in the world giving back. One much-awaited announcement each year is who will keynote the event. Last year, we heard from Michigan State head football coach Mel Tucker. Other speakers have included Ben Wallace, Corey Davis, Chris Spielman, Tom Izzo, and many others over the years. Well, Today, we unveil the speaker of this year's 41st annual Drive for Life Foundation Gala event, head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, Derek Lalonde. He joins us to discuss this event, what it means to him and his family, and what we might expect to hear that night. We go there now. Hey, everybody, in the Driving Vision Podcast, welcome to the special Drive for Life Charity Foundation edition. With me today, Detroit Red Wings head coach, Derek Malone. Welcome. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you here because you are going to join us Thursday, September 14th here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, as we celebrate the uh, annual Drive for Life Foundation or Charity Gala. We're excited to have you here with us. What brings the head coach for the Detroit Red, Wing, Red Wings to Kalamazoo to raise money for this uh, for this great event, coach. Well, it's a great question. You had a mutual friend there in Ziegler and Jeff Lerg. Uh, my guy, Jeff Lerg's actually when I was in Toledo uh, coaching the walleye. He was my very first signing, and what a signing it was. He literally turned the organization around. But mutual friend, he actually reached out to me and said, Aaron's going to reach out to me, and then he reached out. Uh, he started describing uh, what it was about, Um uh, like most people, uh, I've been touched with cancer uh, in my personal family, uh, in my extended family. Uh, and then when you do the research and what this event is all about, this was a no-brainer, and I'm ecstatic and excited to be part of it. Well, we're excited that you made the decision to join, and you you join a line of uh, incredible uh, keynote speakers. You know, we've had uh, Mel Tucker of Michigan State. We've had... Uh, Tom Izzo, also of Michigan State, P.J. Fleck, Jim Craig, actually of uh, of hockey yep. fame, right? Um, do, do you do you, uh, you you yourself were a were a, a goal were a goalie when you played, right? Uh, do, yep. do you have any? Uh, what's your take on that miracle on ice uh, moment? Well, amazing, actually, a little connection there. I grew up uh, about uh, seventy miles, sixty-five miles from Lake Placid, New York, uh, and Brazier Falls, New York. Uh, Lake Placid is in our backyard. I actually just spent a week there with my family. Uh, I love it. It's uh, one of my favorite spots of all time, kind of growing up in that area, but I love bringing my family back. I was eight years old at the time, and actually being on the Canadian border, uh, I don't know if we had cable back then, or we were in the process of getting cable. We only had the Canadian station, and the Canadian station had it live. And even just being uh, eight years old, it was it was an amazing um, experience, and you felt part of it because it was literally right down the road. And to this day, my dad kicking ourselves, we we're going to go to the medal ceremony. Uh, oh no! Five minute drive, and then he starts just one way through Saranac Lake. It's just one way in there. We're like it'd be, you know, I think his thought process would be so difficult getting in there. 
know, we decided to watch it on TV, but it's really cool. I do feel a connection to Lake Placid. Uh, obviously, I've done some things with USA Hockey. It's a special moment, so pretty cool. You guys had Dutch and Craig. Yeah, so so what drew you into hockey? What got you into hockey? You played hockey, you now coach. Um, what, what are you? Yeah, it's our culture up there. Everyone's a hockey player. Uh, I literally grew up about 10 minutes uh, from the Canadian border, um, just on the American side of Cornwall, Ontario, you know, kind of where Ontario, New York, and Quebec all meet. Uh, the Montreal Forum was literally 90 minutes from my house, spent time there. Uh, as, a, as a young boy, well, we'd go up to games all the time, but I mean, everyone played hockey. Coming from such a small town, uh, you know, it's just, it's funny. I, I have kids who play hockey now, and obviously the levels of hockey, I came through coaching, you know, the USHL, the American Hockey ECHL, the NHL, how competitive the travel hockey is now. And yeah. basically, we we had to fill the full team, and there were some farming mornings that would be short a couple of guys now and then. And every other yeah. year, we would have a lot of players, a lot of players, but everyone in our town. And the, my family, my boys can't believe the concept that, you know, within our radius, we had every, every town, every town of 2,000 people had a team in their own rink. It's just hockey was just such a big part of the area and our culture. So obviously, I was no different and uh, played my uh, high school hockey there and I played college hockey right down the road, Cornwall State, about three and a half hours door to door. Just grew a passion for it, grew a passion for teaching, got into coaching right out of college, and uh, the, just the phones kept ringing, you know, level, yeah. to level to level, and uh, you know, one message, we'll probably talk about that night, is one thing I always talk about, just living in the moment, being great at the job I'm currently at, and I and I say that now, and people don't believe me, but when I went to Fair State, I, I could have been there. That was my dream job at the time. I went to University of Denver. I went to Green Bay. I went to you know, all these places. That was my dream job at the time, and I would have been there the next 10 years. Uh, but I think of that passion and uh, just digging into every stop I was at led to that success, and hence me uh, climbing up the ladder. That's awesome. At what point did you know... So you made that transition from player to coach. As a player, you you, you are a, a player. You're contributing to a team. You're learning the benefits of discipline and execution as Absolutely. we do in the business world. At what point did you did your mind start to change and you started to think, hey, this leadership thing, I I I, I dig it. Like what what yeah. what transitioned you from that? Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I went to Cortland and played hockey there because uh, I had a vision of what I wanted to do in my life. And, you know, at 16, 17 years old, not many people can say that. I wanted to teach. Uh, I wanted to coach. I had a passion where I was going to be a physical education teacher, uh, coach whatever high school team I was at. Um, I got a master's in education administration or maybe go down the path of an administrative route uh, through education, either an athletic director, principal, whatever. Because uh, I had experiences in my small hotel. Uh, those mm-hmm. mentors, well, my physical education teacher, my coaches, uh, they were key people to what I was about. So I had a vision. I knew uh, where I wanted to be in college. I had a passion to go to college. And well, I went and got my master to start coaching college hockey. And that's really when I just became passionate about um, the leadership part of the coaching, teaching part of it. It's always interesting. Uh, I've been a career coach. That's all I've ever done my entire life since graduating at 21 years old. And there's some value to that because you grow at a growth mindset and those areas you talk about, it, it's in 
so much more than X's and O's and yeah. success I've had. And it's, it's always been about the culture. It's been about the leadership group. And I've been fortunate, uh, fortunate enough to be around some really, really special groups. So I think that coaching, now if you had told me years ago I'd be the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, <laughs> I would have said you're absolutely crazy. And yeah. literally would have been happy being a high school coach, uh, physical education teacher in a town in upstate New York. Well, that's kind of what I had my vision. But you know, once you get around that team concept, uh, it was my true passion and fortunately it's worked out very well. That that message you shared of being present in the moment and focusing on where you are is interesting because it's prepared you for each step along the way, which ultimately ended up leading you to a place you you, you didn't totally uh anticipate. You have held the Stanley Cup. <laughs> You've won it yes. twice, right? Twice. Uh, unbelievable <laughs> moments. What's that like? The first time it's absolutely surreal. Uh but it was such a process getting there. Uh, I have a very good relationship with John Cooper. You know, he has some Michigan State, went to law school uh, at Michigan State. So he's got a lot of connections. Got to know when I was coaching at Fair State. Uh, I knew there was a possibility in a window with the kind of group they had. But I was coaching in the American Hockey League. I was a head coach. John Cooper had actually called me up to be an assistant coach. And I turned it down because I wanted to keep growing as a head coach. Yeah. Uh, and then the next time he came around, the time it worked out, management change in Minnesota, it just made sense. So I knew there was a possibility of, you know, this team is good enough to win Stanley Cup. You know, they were one of the handful of teams favored uh, in that window, which, you know, obviously it's a special group that they're currently in themselves right now. But it was never about that. I just we wanted to grow and be good and grow within that team. In my first year there, we at the time, Boston broke this year. We, we we tied the record for most wins in the season. Then we got swept in the first round. Mm-hmm. And to this day, we don't win that Stanley Cup the following year if we didn't get our house in order. Well, we take our leadership uh, to the next level. Uh, you know, we, we established our culture, which was good to great uh, and making it uh, completely team over self. So it was actually such a ride. It just, all of a sudden I was there. And I think the one moment I was on the bench and you have the cameras at your feet and we're up to nothing with 90 seconds, you know, where, where it's a good chance. So TV feed starts doing the past winners. Oh, and no. Literally, Messier's. Yeah, Lemieux, Gretzky, they're all raising the cup, and it just kind of hit me like, oh my God, we're going to win this Stanley Cup. Yeah. So you win it, and then obviously that moment of actually raising it is, is such a pinnacle in your career. Yeah. And then to do it a second year, it's able to bring this way hometown. It was an unbelievable experience at the time, a pinnacle, but it drives you. You get a taste of that thing. Yeah. It's real. You wanted more, and uh, I knew I wanted to become a head coach and felt I was very ready to become a head coach and just knew with the type of success we were having in Tampa, I was going to have an opportunity to get in front of people, probably interview for head coaching jobs. But that passion is still there, and I need to, I need to do what I want to do as a head coach now. Uh, and I'm getting my opportunity in Detroit Redwoods. So it's interesting. You talk about culture and you talk about execution. We believe in that in the Ziegler Auto Group. It, 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 we've been very committed to focusing on that culture piece, even before we talk about people buying cars, we have a symbol that's similar to a Stanley Cup. It's a cheetah, and people get to win it. What is it about an, kind of a symbol of celebration at a high level? I mean, there's nothing like the Stanley Cup. 
I mean, there's nothing like it, right? And there's something about having a symbol of success that it, everybody goes towards as a team. What, what What is it about that that makes it s such a great pursuit? Well, I just think it's so goal-oriented. Yeah. Players talk about it their entire life. And it is the ultimate goal. And nothing can relate to it. So, and I get cast all the time. Now that I just turned 50 and getting into my 50s and become a head coach in the National Hockey League now, which is a great sport. Everyone just assumes it's the, the, the two Stanley Cups. And yes, that was special. But I, I really think some of those those moments when you turn something around and you build something that becomes mm. special. Well, you know, I won a championship in the USHL uh, in Green Bay. And it was special just to have the community, the feel of, of doing that with a group. Uh, but one of my greatest memories was at Sleeto Walleye. Um, I know it's only the ECHO level. We didn't actually win it all that year, but uh, I was asked to take over there, and the organization was in turmoil. It was defeated. Well, but I thought it could be something special. Um, and my first year, we talk about that culture. I had a vision, you know, basically being a general manager also, I was only going to grab players and guys that have been leaders and captains. You know, Jeff Lurie, my connection into this group with Aaron, mm -hmm. he was one of them. And we turned that around 59 points. And to this day, I'm told it is the biggest turnaround in, in, in hockey history. Wow. I believe it simply because with one end was so low, and then we actually went and won the Brabham Cup. But just to build something like that through one year, and I remember in the playoffs, in round one, uh, we played Wheeling, and there was about 2,500 people there for game seven. Uh, fast forward, we end up playing uh, in round two, uh, four wing comets, and now we're sold out at 7,800 in game seven at home. You fast forward two weeks later, we play the South Carolina Stingrays in the conference finals, and we're 8,100, and there's another 2,000 people outside of Spain. I'll never experience anything like that when you just get a whole community and a whole city pushing the same way. Just when you build something like that, those, those are special and great moments. And me as a coach, me as a leader, I, I literally get that opportunity every year. And obviously, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen when there are two Stanley Cup championship wins. Um, doesn't happen with the, you know those two previous championships I was talking about at Toledo and in Green Bay every year, but when you do build something, we're in the midst of something even here in Detroit, and I loved last year uh, in the fact that we had growth. Uh, you could tell there was a feel to it, and I love the fact uh, we're going to be relevant again this year, obviously taking uh, another step. Yeah, so I suppose that's the fair question is, is, you know, you've held the Stanley Cup twice. Uh, what, what What's your strategy for getting there in Detroit? Uh, we can build it, build it. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a vague statement. So we have to build it with personnel, and that's yeah. what Steve's doing right now. You can see the success uh, and the quality drafts we've been having. Well, you can see the free agency over the last couple of years. Um, you know whether well, Andrew Cop wanting to be here a year ago this year, uh, JT Comfort wanting to be in Detroit, um, Alex Abrinkat wanting to be in Detroit. These are pieces you just need to keep building. And it's our task to build a winning culture. And we have, we're growing there. Uh, we did that last year. You know, we took a small step, not completely there. Um, we have an unbelievable leader. And someone I believe in, in a captain, in Dylan Larkin. 
but we want to grow him. We want to grow the group around him. And then I think once you do that, you kind of build it within. Uh, you got it. You can be, you can accomplish special things. And you know, I was fortunate enough to experience that in Tampa, where a little bit different in that the talent that we had in that group in Tampa is it's much deeper. I have no problem saying I think anybody will admit that you know that team had in Tampa was premier to most of the league. But even with that talent, uh, they did a good job of building that core group, and we did do a good job of building that culture. And we did that, and I was fortunate enough to have that experience, and we're going to do the same thing with Detroit. That's awesome. So before we turn to a, a conversation about your personal experience and what draws you into this uh, charity event that we're so grateful you're coming to, what's something that would surprise most people to know about being a head hockey coach for our average listeners that may not have been hockey coaches, all of our listeners, by the way, but yeah. Think how much we work on the exact things you talked about, the leadership, the culture. Uh, a lot of our mornings, yes, we're, of course, we're talking X's and O's, getting our special teams, our structure, putting players in the best opportunity to succeed. But a lot of it is relationships. Do we need to talk to player A today? Do we need to talk to player B? Something's wrong with player C. We spend just as much time discussing that stuff, our leadership. Um, you know, we outsourced uh, a company uh, in Tampa uh, that did a behavioral test that helped us out to maybe kind of study. It was, gave us data on what our, our leaders could be and, and get the most out of them. And we're going to do the same thing here in Detroit. So you're constantly working on those type of things, the analytics. Uh, of course, the X's and O's is part of it, but the work that goes into that's not X's and O's is is shocking. I, I've talked to, you know, I'll share a little bit uh, the night I talk um, at the, at the gala, but mm-hmm. I've talked to companies before. They're shocked at uh, how similar the business, what they're dealing with, that we are trying to deal with too, uh, that it's just more than X's and O's. Because it's mindset, right? It, it is that culture. It's expectations and setting those expectations and delivering on those expectations. So um, is is there is there a book? Uh, is there a book or something that you've read that, that has helped yourself, your team? Yeah. To, to single one out, I think there's, there's a lot of them. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just you're constantly seeking if you have a growth mindset. We're currently reading a book as a staff right now uh, from the actual company from the outside with the behavioral model. So two books last year, uh, my boss, Steve Eiserman, uh, laid on our our test. And it was about uh, repetition and getting the most out of groups. So I I, I will say... I think I've been very fortunate getting that education as a young age, well, yeah. undergrad, and then my master's, understanding what education could be like, reading, you know, this day and age of podcasts. And, um, you know, I go for a bike ride, and then and sometimes it's 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 Mumford Sons, it's Dave Matthews music with other players. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's growth. It's a podcast. It's a podcast and There's yeah. so much out there, uh, and. So is there an exact book? I don't know if I could pick one out. So one that the bulb went off, but they're constantly they're constantly out there. That's that's excellent. Well, so uh, turning to your personal life and and what's 
kind of drawn you into Drive for Life, as you mentioned in the beginning, um, cancer has struck your own family. What what was that like finding out that your wife had had cancer? Yeah, well, I, I probably go to two experiences with cancer uh, and how uh, they're both positive stories now in, in, in some ways. Uh, one, my aunt Giselle uh, had passed away from colon cancer. Mm. And it was a little shocking for our family. Uh, she was older, but she was not old. And I went at age, oof, God, mid-30s, uh, got a colonoscopy because of technology, because of what things we're going to talk about on that gala that night to be progressive and do things. And I had a polyp at 34 years old. And they took away Now I go every four years. I just had my most recent colonoscopy, and it was clean as could be. And they said, this looks like a young man's colonoscopy. And I was very proud of that, but that was not yeah. the case without, unfortunately, uh, what happened to my HSL. And then, unfortunately, uh, I think it was the summer of 2018, so uh, something was wrong with my wife, and I have no problem sharing it now because it's a positive, and this is what these moments are about. Uh, we sure enough, went to the doctor, and she had a tumor, that she mm. uh, had cervical cancer. And uh, one thing I want to talk about that night, and uh, as crushing as it was, and uh, through chemo and, and, and now it basically was three months of our lives so once a week uh, with the radiation. Um, she literally would, uh, we went to the doctor. The initial oncologist, you know, I wouldn't would say the word concerned, uh, but you know, she was doing her job and, and, and took us on to the radiologist. And, and I still remember this day, and this is what this is all about. He said, years ago, I would be very concerned about this. He goes, but this is a chip shot now. And mm. he was describing the process. We were going to go with the chemo and then the, and the radiology. Uh, if I'm saying that correctly, but the chemo, yes. And it was, it, it, it was, it was, it was grueling for my wife. Uh, it, it enthralled our family you know, for an entire summer. Um, but uh, now success, she can be healthy. She's cancer-free and extremely healthy. But it's technology and moments like we've been experienced that night is probably why that doctor described well, how technology and medicine has come and turned into a chip shot. So this is close to me. And to me, I this is a positive. And when we were talking with, with Aaron, he talked about Chris Miller speaking. Yes. Yeah. He said, he goes, yeah. he basically said he doesn't, he doesn't know if there was, if he's ever experienced anything more powerful. Yeah. So. I, you know, I'm going to have a positive message uh, that night. What's beautiful about that is that, so in your case, it's possible that some of the money that's been raised in the past and gone to charities like American Cancer Society supported technologies and development scientific discoveries that have not eradicated a terrible disease like that, but have made it, uh, made it curable, have, have created strategies and abilities to, to cure it. That's incredible. And you think about the difference it makes in your life that your wife is there. It was a chip shot instead of a death sentence. That's exact, like 100%. Those are exact words. And in fact, he referenced, you know, years ago, I would have not uh, been at ease, but he goes, this is a chip shot now. And I just, the confidence when he said it, yeah, you know, that was the first positive we had received in a probably a three what three week span going into that process, finding out she had cancer. Uh, so um, I I would help out when I can. 
That's neat. You know, my mom and my mom had cancer and, and had a little bit of a different outcome, which I've shared some on the podcast here, but it's interesting in that whole world of oncology and doctors and it's notoriously a terrible process, right? And yes. notoriously, there's not a lot of information and some of the information turns out to be both incorrect and bad information, right? You, yeah. you got the chip shot doctor who knew where to go. Part of raising funds for this event goes to creating not only better technologies, but also a better experience um, and, and, and better access to information. American Cancer Society is an example we found has a phone number you can call and you can get resources and counsel after you've heard from a doctor that may have said, hey, there's not much chance. You can find other other ways to go that are that are real uh, real therapies. But uh, what advice would you have to anyone that finds themselves in front of a doctor with the with the diagnosis your your wife received? Um, it's a great question because uh, one, be aggressive with it, be progressive. Yeah. But we were kind of kicking ourselves at the time, my wife and I, at that there was some signs there that something could be wrong. But then she felt great for a while. We probably we probably prolonged it. We missed out on six months a year, year and a half, two months where we could have attacked it easier. And uh, we probably might even never got to that point. The fact that we neglected it, um, yeah. people do it all the time now, which is unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I go back to me getting a colonoscopy at age 34. I was the youngest guy. I walked into that place and no one was I'm like, they're here to pick up your father. I'm like, no, I'm here for my own. Fuck <laughs> me up, right? Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. me being progressive. That was me yeah. attacking it at 34. I had, uh, and my dad had uh, 11 brothers and sisters. And this was Ames was number six or seven, somewhere mm -hmm. in the middle there. And she passed away from colon cancer. I remember my mom like basically making me go, and I yeah. did it, and it was the greatest thing that I, I, I had done uh, before. So I just say, be aggressive. Don't leave these things to chance. More on my shoulder. Yeah. And I got looked at immediately. So just you know, little things like that, like just it's real technology is real today. You can get help. You can beat this. But the more aggressive you are, further down, farther, the better chase you have. So, so I can empathize on your colonoscopy. I have a history of it in my family. I got my first one uh, early 40s. And I'll tell you, the prep for it is so awful. <laughs> I had one, and then I had another one. In your, like in your case, they found something. It, it, it cured it. It took care of it. Four years later, I had another one. Um, like approaching it, you're just kind of like, I don't really want to go through this again, right? But your, your advice is so real that you got to kind of just get through it because it's one of the most preventable cancers that's out there. But if you don't take those steps, you can't, you, you can't prevent it. You've got to go through the, I mean, that juice is awful, isn't it? 100%. And now I feel like a pro at it. I've been doing it every four or five years since I've been, yeah, you know, yeah, my young thirties, but yeah, for, for a little discomfort over 24 hours, worth I mean, it. it's, it, well, it's so worth it. And then that's, um, so, so yes, that, that's, well, Coach, we absolutely appreciate you being here with us. We look forward to seeing you on that uh, night in September for the Drive for Life charity event, Thursday, September 14th, beginning 5.30 p.m. Eastern at the Radisson Hotel. We're excited to raise money for charity. You know, the uh, the the items that will end up being part of the auction are unlike anything found anywhere. Uh, you know, private plane ticket and suite to the uh, Green Bay Packers. We curate packages 
that are just not possible to go buy with money. Access to Tom Izzo and the ability to go watch a a, a basketball game there on Michigan uh, at Michigan State. These highly curated, very personalized packages will be available in in the open auction, and we have a heck of a lot of fun uh, auctioning these off as we raise money. Uh, for charity. So we're excited that you're going to join us. Thank you so much for doing that. And before we let you go, we have a tradition on the Driving Vision podcast recently of asking people, um, is there anything on your bucket list? So we had a speaker that came into the Ziegler Auto Group, Ben Nimpton, talks about uh, his pursuit to check off items on his bucket list. Is there anything on your bucket list? What, what's what's your biggest bucket list item that you're trying to achieve and accomplish at this stage of life? That's a great question. Way back in the day, I wanted to run with the Bulls. Okay, in Spain. Zero. I do not want to do that at all now. You can't die that way, by the way. It makes no sense to me. And I'm nowhere near as agile. And I was never very agile then. Yeah. Uh, You know what? I accomplished one of those in bringing the Stanley Cup to my hometown. And hometown was 700 people. And it was just an amazing moment. And you you talk about what you know what drives you. So maybe the bucket list would be now to bring it back to my hometown, but to have done it as a head coach. Yeah, you know, again, I the fact my name's on the Stanley Cup twice, I, I'm so honored, so special. But it is different um, being doing it as a head coach, and, and then maybe that that would be awesome to see a Stanley Cup uh, here. Do Do you have any predictions for years? Is that even fair to ask? And what no, year that happened? No, it's such a <laughs> yeah. We don't. I can't tell you about today. Uh, you know what? Yeah. I love to predict uh, this year. Yeah, it, your focus that, is culture and process, right? One hundred percent. And that's yeah. I just I just we just want an opportunity to be relevant. We have an opportunity. Uh, to have a chance for that. And then that's yeah. all we ask. And that's, that's our everyday goal. Awesome. Well, Coach, again, thanks for being part of the uh, Driving Vision podcast. And we'll see you in Kalamazoo on Thursday, September 14th. I'm looking forward to it. Sam, thanks for the time. Uh, really, anytime. And uh, I cannot wait to speak that night. And I'd like to help the group up going forward also. Thank you. A big thanks to Detroit Red Wings coach Derek Lalonde for contributing to this week's episode. Be sure to get your ticket to this year's event. Email bk at ziggler.com for more information or go to driveforlifefoundation.org for ticket and event information. Until next week, how are you driving vision today? Today.